please pray with me? God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I found myself appreciating Peter more than usual this week. I found myself asking what motivated Peter to get out of that boat. It's funny the way it happens. After Jesus identifies himself to the disciples, Peter says, Lord, since it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Most Bibles translate that line differently. This morning we heard it read, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. But every commentary I read this week says that a more accurate translation is, Lord, since it is you, command me to come to you. Peter commands Jesus to command Peter. That's what I find funny about the way this piece of the story happens. I wonder what motivated Peter to get out of that boat. I wonder why he needed or wanted Jesus to command him before he took that step. In general, the Gospels portray Peter as impulsive or rash, even a hothead at times. I tend to find him an interesting character, but not necessarily one I identify with. I normally can't picture myself in Peter's shoes. But in our passage from today's scripture, the part Peter plays has a lot to suggest to us about our own faith. The story is this. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Then Jesus sends his disciples away, sends them into the boat to go across to the other side of the lake. Jesus then takes whatever time he needs to disperse the crowd that has gathered, those 5,000 men plus the women and children. And then Jesus goes up the mountain to take some much-needed time alone to pray. It sounds like Jesus arrives at this place of solitude and prayer in the evening and stays there all through the night until morning. Then Jesus goes to rejoin his disciples, and he does this by walking on water. Jesus walks out across the water toward the disciples' boat. One of the wonderful things about stories is that they provide so many different entry points. A story can be engaged by different people in different ways. Perhaps this is why Christians turn to the Bible over and over and over again and turn to statements of doctrine much less frequently. Doctrine can often be limiting. Stories are expansive. Jesus must have understood this. He used stories to teach. So today we have a story with a miracle in it. We've been talking a bit in this church community about how different ones of us understand our faith in different ways. For some of us here, a miracle, like Jesus walking on the water, inspires us to embrace Jesus' uniqueness, or even Jesus' divinity. And for some of us here, the idea of such a miracle is actually a barrier to faith because logic and facts are enormously important. From this way, then, of looking at things, the suggestion that faith requires us to believe the unbelievable, to believe in miracles, creates a barrier to faith. 
And then there are the whole range of in-between possibilities, possibilities for what the miracle stories mean to us as metaphor or as inspiration. The question of whether miracles happened then or whether they happen now is not a compelling question to me personally, although I know it is for some folks. What is compelling to me is to consider the function of the miracle stories, the purpose they serve. I wonder if these stories of miracles are there specifically in order to stretch our imaginations. I think we humans can sometimes find ourselves stuck in thinking that is more narrow than it needs to be. And when the possibilities we envision are narrow, our options and choices will narrowly fit these possibilities we're able to envision. Sometimes we feel pretty certain that we know what our options are. We know what is or isn't possible. We know how the world works. But I think this kind of certainty limits us. In the face of feeling certain about what is or is not possible, the Bible offers these fantastic stories. Jesus walked on water. But wait, I didn't think that was an option. Are there more options than I realized? What other possibilities have I failed to see? I would even say that whether you literally believe in miracles or not is perhaps irrelevant. What is absolutely relevant, what is important, is that you accept the invitation these miracle stories offer. You are invited to think more broadly and creatively and expansively about what it means to have faith. You're invited to think broadly and creatively and expansively about what we might dare to hope for. You're invited to think broadly, creatively, expansively about how you can put your faith into practice. Please accept that invitation. So maybe here Peter is not being impulsive or hot-headed so much as he is creative and hopeful. I think Peter earnestly, eagerly, desperately wanted to throw his lot in with Jesus. We see this when Peter asks Jesus to wash not just his feet, but his whole self. We see this when Peter fervently exclaims that he will not deny Jesus, even if Peter has to die. Peter wants to throw his lot in with Jesus, and we see this again in our scripture for today. It is as if there in that boat, Peter says, It is you, Jesus. Since it is you, command me to join you. In the midst of this wind and these waves, I want to walk with you. What would it look like for us to really throw our lot in with Jesus? What would it look like for us to be bold enough to step out in ways that do not seem logical, that barely seem possible. I think it would take an expansive imagination to put ourselves out there in such a way. Peter is doing so well, throwing his lot in with Jesus, walking on the water, and then he notices the wind. This can't be news to Peter. 
He has been in this boat all night long, and the scriptures suggest that the wind and waves have been an issue that entire time. So he is well aware of the wind. What happened? Had he momentarily forgotten about the wind in his consuming desire to join Jesus? We don't know. But whatever happened, something shifts again, and he notices the wind. And that's when he becomes afraid. This is the second point in our scripture reading when fear enters the story. The first time the disciples were all afraid, but they weren't afraid of the wind or the waves. They were afraid when they saw Jesus because they thought he was a ghost. And when Jesus tells them it is him, he says, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. His words are encouraging. We know that the word courage, the word encourage and the word courage come from the Latin root for heart. For those of you who are familiar with Brene Brown's work, she talks about this in her books and her TED Talk where she talks about wholehearted living. Heart is the root of courage. Jesus says, take heart. He's encouraging them. He is giving them courage in the face of their fear. This was the first time we saw fear in this morning's scripture. Then fear enters a second time when Peter pauses while out on the water and notices the wind. He became frightened, and as soon as he becomes frightened, he begins to sink into the water. He cries out to Jesus. One thing the Bible doesn't give us is tone of voice. Without knowing Jesus' tone of voice, it's hard to know how to understand what he says next when Peter cries out to him. I think we often assume that Jesus is chiding or rebuking Peter, you of little faith. But I think there is just as much reason to think that Jesus is encouraging Peter. In Matthew's gospel, today's scripture passage follows pretty quickly on the parable of the mustard seed. If you have even a little faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, you have faith enough to move mountains. We know that in the very recent past then, Jesus has emphatically affirmed the potential of even a little faith. And here Peter has a little faith. And not so little, really. His faith was big enough to get him to step out of the boat. His faith was big enough that he could imagine he might walk on water as long as he was walking with Jesus. And when he falters, Jesus encourages him. You can do it. Remember that part I was saying about the mustard seed? You have a little faith, you of little faith. I told you how strong that little faith can be, how large it can grow. Why did you doubt? That question made me raise my eyebrows. Why did you doubt? Come on, Jesus. It doesn't make any sense to ask Peter why he would doubt that he could walk on water. Of course he doubted that. Jesus' question makes less sense than Peter's doubt. Unless, unless we hear it not as criticism, but as encouragement, as a pep talk. You've got this. You have a little seed of faith. You can do this. But Peter's moment of doubt feels very familiar. It resembles our moments of doubt. What happens is that Peter gets afraid. And as so often happens, 
The impact of fear is to narrow the possibilities available to us. I think the more afraid we are, the fewer options we are able to see. The more difficult it is to imagine that things can be different or better. Do you know that feeling? Have you, have you experienced that? That feeling when fear makes you hunker down or constrained or stuck. But in the face of fear, Jesus encourages us. Take heart. I am with you. You are with me. You are not setting out alone, but walking in the way I have walked first. You have a little seed of faith, and you can do so much with that. May you hear the call, or even the command from Jesus, the great encourager. May you hear the voice of the one who says, take heart, the one who gives us courage. With courage, then, may we see expansive, imaginative possibilities, possibilities for our lives, for our faith, for our church. Isn't seeing expansive possibilities in itself a miracle? Let us step out with our fears calmed by the great encourager. Amen.